a lot of people are quite able to move beyond the material and they say, listen, I know it's not about what, whether I've got a nice new car or we're going on three holidays a year or no holidays or whatever. But it's actually that thing that says, am I okay with being here in the world and am I doing what I think I should be doing or what I believe is my calling? Welcome to Living My Breastless Life podcast. I'm your host, HPG. On season three of the podcast, we're diving in to the helping profession. I have found that almost always there's a catalytic event that leads people to help others. You'll hear a variety of folks share what they do, why they do it, and the unique ways that they help. This season will mostly be guest interviews with some fascinating people and a few surprises for y'all along the way. So let's go. Go. On episode 53 of the podcast, I had the pleasure of chatting with Sydney Penbest. I met Sydney in life coach training and truly felt connected to her from the moment I met her. You'll hear a little bit about Sydney's journey, her approach with her practice, and just a little insight into what we have learned and experienced in our life coach training. We also graduate next week, so... Let's get into it. Tell us what you do. Well, Heather, I work with all kinds of beautiful human beings uh, who have one thing in common, and that is I help them embrace their unique identity their skills and ultimately their purpose and so that they're free to go and tread their own path, live their own unique and exceptional lives. Um, I hope that for people I can be a wayfinder uh, and someone who helps them find their way in their life. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the way I do it. For di- it is really different for, for different people, but uh, ultimately that's what it is. That's amazing. So I have the pleasure of knowing you from the Wayfinder Life Coach Program that you and I met. Could you tell me what led you to that particular Life Coach Program and what started you on this journey? Yeah, sure. It's such an interesting thing to consider, actually. Uh, What led me to the program um, in the first place was actually um, the mystical powers of, uh, of a podcasting platform and I had been listening to um, a rather sensational human by the name of Glennon Doyle, who I'm sure you're familiar with and some of your listeners would be as well. And I was listening to her and I was folding laundry and it just kept auto-playing after the podcast that I'd programmed and on came this woman and I thought, who on earth is that? Just remarkable, really extraordinarily um, insightful, wise um, challenging the status quo, like unafraid to be herself. And I thought, who on earth is that? And it was Martha Beck. And I thought, huh, interesting. And it was just something that happened. And it was actually a, um, probably a solid six months later that I um, had forgotten I'd signed up uh, to a newsletter on her website and suddenly saw this um, uh, email that said, you know, uh, registrations close, you know, midnight tonight. So I just hit the button before I'd even had time 
or there to be instead of neurons fire between you know one side to the other I had already pressed this register button and I thought well I guess we're doing this um so that's how I, I came to be in the program and to meet yourself um uh, it's been such a pleasure and uh I think the fact that it brings together people from all sides of the globe who share a common desire to leave the world a better place is pretty special in terms of um, how I came to life coaching, um, it's also a really interesting question. And in a way, to be honest, I think I have always done it in some form or another. At least that's what I discovered when I realized, um, when I looked back, I think I sort of probably started having people come to me uh, to help them find a way and, and figure things out. Um, so back when I was probably a teenager, you know, at parties, there used to be a sort of small queue of people to talk to which makes me sound like I was popular or something, but it was actually that uh, people really liked to, to get my read on situations and, and to find out. And I've learned a lot of skills over the years that make turn that less into an act of opinion uh, and uh, telling people what to do and a lot more about learning to ask really powerful questions and to really hold space for them to do their own extraordinary work. Um, but yeah, look, I've, I've had a professional career that spanned uh, everything from um, professional performing arts to um, tech to marketing and communications. Uh, it's a, But all of it has led me to where I am today. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you were doing laundry, listening to We Can Do Hard Things. And the when you said that you clicked on the link to register for our Life Coach training program, it was like close to the closing hour. And what first came to my mind was that was your essential self that clicked the button and just did it. You did a hard thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that over the, the last little while, I have really enjoyed um, being able to name that part of myself. And for those listening, uh, your essential self is really the deep truest form of yourself. Some might call it your soul um, rather than your social self, which is the bit of you that has to interact with the world and make survival type decisions that, that, um, that leads you to maybe not put yourself first. And yeah, it was absolutely my essential self just reached out from in, 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 you know, in the midst and grabbed the mouse and pressed click, so to speak. Um, it's also uh, a great example of my um, conative style, and I didn't mispronounce that for those listening. It's not cognitive. It's a thing called conative style, and it's well worth Googling if you have a spare minute. But um, it tells us how we take action in the world, and I'm a quick start. And really what that means is that I'm actually these days pretty practiced at taking risk. And uh, one of my personal mantras that I live by, and I will say to anyone anytime I get a chance, is... Very few things actually kill us. Our reptilian brain and our social self will try and convince us that practically everything is a, like a bona fide threat to our existence. But it turns out almost nothing actually kills you. And I really try and live by that. So I figure, you know, in life you can always start something and you can always not finish it if it's not right for you. Um, but I, I, even I was slightly alarmed at the speed which I clicked that register button. It was just so fast. I was like, heck, what even is going on here? But uh I trust and I know that it was a really right decision, not the least because I met this incredible cohort of people that Heather, you're one of, a really inspirational, brilliant people from around the world. Yeah. I'm so thankful. You know, the universe brought us all together and, you know, I've learned so much from y'all and like watching each other grow because our program 
at minimum is 211 hours. And then we have all the practice hours for several certifications. And, you know, we really get to know each other. And I have no doubt that I'm a much better person. So when you're working with folks, tell me about your approach. I know you meet folks where they are and you work with, you know, high achievers to live their best life, for lack of a better paraphrasing. So tell me about like your approach. Yeah, sure. Well, look, I guess I really, um, I have a broad framework that incorporates um, um, uh, a lot of the qualities of the Martha Beck wayfinding uh, methodology, but also draws on um, lots of other, um, you know, really well-established uh, ways um, and tools for people to use. But in terms of how I approach it and how I meet people, Context is really key to me. So the the first thing I'd like to do is understand where people are at right now and what it is that's led them to be here. I made a decision really early on in setting up my coaching practice that I wasn't going to really actively go out there and bang on people's doors to get them to come to me, not the least because I know from my own personal development work and my own healing that it really is a case of that um, we do it when it's time, when it's right for us but it won't land until we're ready for it to land. So I really let people's own momentum be the guide for that. And then um, one of the questions I love to ask people um, right up front is to find out what they wanted to be when they grew up, when they were little. And I do it for a couple of reasons. One is because it's genuinely such a great conversation starter and it's fascinating. But it also allows people to step into a place that is unencumbered by the burdens of growing upness of adulthood, all the shoulds and woulds and musts and haves and all of that stuff and allows people, it really tends to show you a little glimpse of their essential self. And from there, I, if they don't lead me there, I might ask them how they ended up and what they do now if I don't already know that. And then really what that does is sort of give us, if you like, a starting point. And it's not necessarily actually about the career per se, but it, it tends to be about how they saw themselves in the world. And one of the the, the causes of um, unhappiness or dissatisfaction, discontentment, or even that just really odd, deep uh, feeling of uneasiness um, in in being alive is, you know, a, a lot of people are quite able to move beyond the material and they say, listen, I know it's not about what, whether I've got a nice new car or we're going on three holidays a year or no holidays or whatever, but it's actually that thing that says, am I okay with being here in the world and am I doing what I think I should be doing or what I believe is my calling? And so it's a, a case of really um, establishing, yeah, whether people have a sense of that. And I find they usually do. Whether or not it's something they are prepared to entertain or give themselves permission to do is a whole nother like box and dice and that depends. But we start there and then I... Um, I really let them uh, start to unpack it. My job is to try and ask powerful questions, um, which is uh, both a beautiful and scary job, really. Um, but I really try and um, uh, remember always that um, any kind of motion is forward motion in that sense. So, you know, it's not necessarily about moving from like, you know, killer question to killer question, but really helping people start to unravel that ball of yarn themselves. Um, I, I don't know why. It's always something. I think I used to tangle things up in jewelry boxes when I was a kid, a little bit Heather, but I've got this really distinct memory of getting a very fine silver necklace, like 
catastrophically tangled in a jewelry box. It probably should have been laid out straight and I think it's thrown in the bottom. And anyway, and then the process of trying to unpick something like that is just painstaking. But the unpicking is best done when you try and attempt to loosen the tension from all sides, not just one. And so the questioning process is one of really meandering our way around self a little bit until we start to find the bits that move readily. And then from there, you've got a, a way of, uh, of directing it. And it's always absolutely directed by, by the person who's, who's there. It's, it's their journey. They are the experts in their own lives as well. So it really is a case of me being, um, I've never found a situation I couldn't find a way out of in life. And I've had a lot of practice at some pretty hairy ones, to be honest. Um, I say hairy and it's probably a bit of vernacular. I don't know how well that translates, but I've, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm a trauma survivor and um, in a number of different ways. Um, and I've had lots of opportunities to get to know myself in that, but also to understand that it is innate to the human condition to survive. So, um, but beyond that, it's really about thriving. So, um, yeah, we, we start the process of asking questions. And, and, uh, and then for me, one of the other things I do is... Uh, and this is partly actually I've been told by lots of people this is the experience they have of working with me or conversing with me about things, um, is that I, I sort of help them light the fire. In its simplest form, if you like, it's thinking about it like the you can do it thing, you know, saying to someone you can do it. If you like really the basic premise of what we understand to be a coach, if you take it out of life coaching territory and you put it in, say, sports, Right. The job of a coach in that environment is to say, hey, listen, we've done the work, but I know you can do this. You know, you were selected for this team. And I know it's a slightly different, you know, framework, but you, uh, I know you can do this. It's, it's really important that that's a, a deeply authentic sentiment when it's, uh, when it's conveyed. But uh, it turns out um, I've discovered it's much less about, uh, about, being with people each step of the way, but helping them rather feel like they've got what they need to go off. And so my ideal version of this is I send them off and they go off and they might come back later and they go, you're never going to guess what I did. And you're, they're right. I never could guess because it always goes way further than I would have thought. But it's just about giving them permission and not that I want to give it to them, but they really, people do require that cheer squad from each other, if you like. I have to ask, if you're willing to share, what did you want to be when you were growing up? It's a great question. Um, uh, there were two aspects of that for me. Uh, one is that I um, probably wanted to be a singer and a psychologist. And um, I also, in very grand terms, because I, I was born in London in the United Kingdom, but I grew up in Australia. And um, uh, I was also like, and I'm going to live between like New York and London, be unrestricted <laughs> dreaming of children. It's fantastic. Um, and look, interestingly enough, um, these days I am, uh, when I'm not working with people uh, as a coach, I am a, an opera singer. So I, I have pursued um, performing uh, in, at that level. And uh, obviously psychology wasn't um, where I ended up. Um, but it's something I have a huge interest in. It's not quite the right fit for me. And I love working with psychologists, but I love working within the framework that is coaching, the collaborative um, process that is is coaching. I knew that you were a performer, 
but I did not know you were an opera singer. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, I find they both kind of feed each other. It's um, um, I think having a, a dual or multi-layered career is a really interesting version of the reflection of our essential selves. We are not one-dimensional creatures. We are many petal flowers. And I know you, Heather, for example, have um, many different, you know, petals in, in your flower. And I think it's partly what contributes to a balanced sense of being in the world. I don't know what your experience of that is. That's very good. That's a good way to put it. I like that. I have a lot of petals, a whole lot. Some are wilted and some are in bloom. I wanted to be an orthodontist or a behavioral analysis person. Think Silence of the Lambs. Think Jodie Foster and mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. That's what I wanted to be. And here I am. That's so interesting. An orthodontist and, you know, someone who analyzes people with like sociopathic and psychopathic behaviors. Hmm. It's super interesting. I love, I love, see, it's the most fascinating question to ask people because you get to know a version of someone that's different than the one they present to you. And, you know, when they say like, hi, my name's Heather. And they, you know, people don't say, when I was a kid, I, I was tossing up between <laughs> orthodontists, <laughs> behavioral psych, you know, analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I, um, I think Jodie Foster in that film had a really striking um, impact on me as well. And I, I think you and I are a similar vintage uh, in terms of uh, well, the age we probably were when we saw that film. And it's, um, yeah, it, that probably contributes quite substantially to, um, to my sort of career aspirations too. And I, I wonder why and I suspect, you know, to see an insightful, powerful woman who uses her own training but deeply instincts as well I think you know it's it's more than just the book knowledge there that's someone who's accessing in in what we in Wayfinder terminology would call the essential self uh, as well so that when when the books start to let her down she has to go for something deeper within her and I don't know whether that's partly what what um has led us yeah here we are some some years later yeah a few (laughs) So, Sydney, tell us where we can find you. Well, um, I'm currently located in uh, in Australia um, in terms of physically, although I do uh, love to travel as much as I can. Um, but I practice uh, face-to-face, so in one-on-one. Um, I can facilitate group work, um, and I love to do that uh, and uh, be part of really vibrant conversations and collaborations in that way. Um, but I also have online presence and uh, have discovered really in the last couple of years, as I guess the whole world has, um, what a powerful place the digital uh, space can be. And certainly in terms of working uh, together, had I not had the experience, I must say, of um, going through a uh, really intensive um, training protocol with um the Wayfinder um, program in terms of, of really unpacking powerful work online, I probably never would have quite um, comprehended how effective it can be as a, a platform for working with clients in this space. I mean, I think we all knew you could take a meeting with it, but I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, sort of the COVID uh, era gave us a lot of reasons to hate digital as well. It became a very tiresome, performative space, um, but I've definitely... Uh, learn to love it and embrace what it uh, what it brings, which is an ability to create really profound, beautiful connections 
you know, Heather, you and I have never met, but it's it's like we know each other, you know, on a pretty special uh, level. And that's courtesy of magic of the interwebs. So yeah, I have a uh, have my own website because I have a really unusual name. I when I was branding my business, I went through a whole process, and then I thought, you know what, I was given something completely unique, but in the by the virtue of how my parents named me. Thanks, parents. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, rather than come up with something weird and fancy, I could just use the weird and fancy I already have. Um, and that's my name. So you can find me uh, on all handles because I'm the only person in the world with my name. I am just my name on every platform you can imagine. Uh, and that is Sydney Henbest. So um, yeah, find me all kinds of places you'd expect to find uh, people discussing, ah, look, coaching, music, um, yeah, all of the things. I'll make sure I link your information in the show notes and that way people can check you out. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me. And Heather, I have to say, you have a really impressive podcast. What a beautiful uh, act of service it is uh, to share not only your story, but um, your guests. And I really like your theme music. It's really funky. It had me grooving along uh, listening to it. But yeah. Thank you. It's really great. I think um, it's uh, I never met anyone who, as part of their byline, introduces themselves as a podcaster. So you're my first, like, you know, top line podcaster. Um, and it's so great to meet you. And I look forward to hearing the rest of the guests you have on this year. Thank you, dear. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living My Breathless Life. Head over to Instagram and follow According to HPG to stay connected to the show. Go get your mammograms.